got a different sort of a service. We, as we know, we finished up our Philippians uh, uh, series, but we wanted to round that off with a Thanksgiving service for things that God has been teaching us during that time, but also to stop and to, to remember God and to give thanks to him for the things that he's done in our own lives. You're going to be hearing uh, Mike Jones is going to lead us uh, this morning as he goes through all four chapters uh, of Philippians, and some people are going to give some thoughts on that. We're going to hear a testimony uh, from Scott, and we're going to do some singing and something for the kids as well. So uh, to get us started, uh, we've got some prayers of thanksgiving. And we're going to start with Tim and then Zachy and then Emily and then two of the more mature people in our congregation. So thanks, Tim. Let's give thanks to God in prayer. And let's give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Thanks, Tim. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you for the holidays and I hope all the children will do good at school. Thank you for all the kids' church teachers because they teach me about you. And thank you for the friends that I have and that I can share my party with them. Amen. Dear Lord, um, I thank you that I have everything I need and I have some things that I don't need and that I can have lots of fun in these holidays. And that I also thank you that Jesus sent his son to die for us. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you that you're an amazing God and that you love us even though we sin. Thank you for the pastors who teach us about your love each and every week. Thank you for the worship leaders who practice in their own time. Amen. Gracious Father, we come to you knowing that you delight in hearing our prayers. Please hear us today. Lord, you're gracious and peaceful. You're patient with us and with all of your creation. You gave us a world to live in and to care for. You gave us life and you gave us each other. You are the one who unites your people. You're a generous God and we praise you for that. You gave us your son, humbled as a man, obedient to death on a cross. You paid the debt that we owed. Thank you, God, for your generosity. Almighty God, when we read your word, we're encouraged that you call each of us as your children. You're gracious and patient with us, drawing us near, working in us, sustaining us, making us able, readying us for your son's return. Lord, it's you alone who saves. You alone who loves deeply, you alone who knows the inner workings of each heart here and the steps behind us and before us. You are sovereign in all of your ways, in all of your dealings. There is none like you, none who can encourage and comfort us in our sadness but you, none who is so tender and compassionate but you. No one loves like you do. Thank you, God, for bringing peace where there is anger. Thank you, God, for bringing peace where there is fear. Thank you, God, for bringing peace where there is pain and suffering. Father, please send your son to us again soon. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I'm just going to take the liberty to say a few words before I pray. Uh, I'd like to say right off the bat that... Um, I haven't been around too many Sunday mornings over the past few months uh, due to some surgery and a few other challenges that I've had. But I've thoroughly enjoyed 
the sermons that I have heard from Philippians and like a few others this morning uh, I'll be quoting it a lot. Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an amazing promise? I've relied on it a lot over the last few months through times when the future seemed quite bleak and everywhere I turned, even though I thought I'd done the right thing by people, they were turning on me and my family. In a lot of ways, the world has gone mad and we're surrounded consistently by angry people who are dissatisfied with their lot in life, who by fair means or foul think they've been wronged in some way and demand compensation is sent to them. And the contentment that Paul talks about in chapter 4, verse 11, and the Chibu focused on last week, it's a faded and distant memory. What I find really refreshing is to be here. Among among you people. Let's pray. Father God, I'd like to thank you that if we call upon you, you provide us with a peace that surpasses all understanding. And you've promised us that you will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And that as a result, we need not be anxious about anything because we can make our requests known to you, Lord, through prayer. My prayer today, Lord, is not one of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through you, Lord, because you strengthen me. Thank you so much, Lord, that I don't have to rely on my own strength or abilities, that you're always there, indwelling each one of us who know you are Saviour. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's continue uh, in prayer as we uh, pray for uh, our offering uh, too as an act of uh, worship uh, together. Uh, Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for those reminders from those uh, young children, but also from Zoe. uh, Remind us how great you are, who you are, Lord God. And uh, from Trev too, Father, thank you. Sometimes we are uh, broken, but you lift us up constantly, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit. There is no other God who can do that. We are grateful for that. We are thankful because you are God. And Lord God, because we are thankful, we also now respond uh, with money, Lord God. We would uh, pray that you would bless what we give this morning, that you would make it um, a great use uh, to your kingdom, uh, Father. Not just that we hand over money, Lord God, for the sake of it, but it be used for your kingdom, Father, that uh, it's not ours but yours anyway, Lord God. Help us to be generous with how we give and to give with a cheerful heart, Lord God, as you desire us to do. So we would just pray now in Jesus' name as we uh, take this offering. Amen. As we do that, there's going to be... Oh, they're already here. Wow. Love cues, fantastic kids. The kids are going to sing to us a song called Choose Jesus while the offering is being taken up. Thanks, kids. Uh, the World Tour is going to begin in America and they will be back uh, gracing our presence at some other stage as well. Hey, great words, kids. Thank you. Choose Jesus. What a great thing to be doing. And uh, we choose to do that ourselves too. And we thank him uh, for who he is. Uh, just a quick uh, announcement before Mike uh, comes and gets us underway. Um, we mentioned that there's still time. If people want to have uh, children dedicated, that has been put aside for next week. You need to see uh, Shabu or myself uh, this morning so we can get that organised. And also when the kids go out, but not yet, because we've got a couple more things to do, they'll be heading grade ones to six over yonder. And I think we're going to learn a bit about Mr Tyndale for a little while, which is going to be interesting for us today. So, Mike, I'm going to ask uh, if you come up and get us started. Thanks, Mike. Well, good morning, church. Um, for those of you who are a little worried at John's introduction when he said that Mike was going to go through the book of Philippians, it's okay. We're just reading it this morning. Um, we're going to be reading each of the four chapters as we go through the morning. Um, each chapter only takes three or four minutes. It won't take too long. Um, we're fortunate in a sense that we are going through the book of Philippians, so um, obviously it wouldn't work too well if we were going through Matthew. Considering Matthew has some chapters alone that would probably be as long as the book of Philippians. Um, We're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. And we're going to be following along on the screen as well. We are reading from the NIV. It's just something that I find a bit easier to read from in terms of getting a flow and the like. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus... To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. 
It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or confirming and defending the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether by false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Christ Jesus, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will continue and I will remain with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by Christ. For it has been granted you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him since you were going through the same struggles you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Hi, uh, <clears throat> my name is Robert Otterson from the small group that meets at our house or at the House of the Brooks on Wednesday evenings. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of knowing that someone is praying for you. Um, I have many times. Sometimes these were occasions when I was stepping out in faith to share the message of Jesus with others. But at other times it was when I was, uh, it was because I was low and feeling incapable of doing anything. The knowledge and experience of having people pray for you is really encouraging. But in addition to the privilege of receiving prayer, we also have the opportunity of giving prayer. Surely God could do everything to keep us on the straight and narrow. Yet he asked us to pray for others, especially for those who are believers. So what about the privilege of praying for others? 
How often do we remember other Christians and thank God for them? This is always onerous when it becomes a rule that we need to obey. However, if we genuinely care for others, it suddenly becomes a desire to pray for them. Who has God put in our hearts to pray for? Whether it's for good reasons or bad. And if we don't know exactly what to pray, we can use scripture as a guide. It really shows God's heart, oh, sorry, Paul's heart for the Philippian believers. Philippians 1, 9 to 10 reads as follows. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Being part of a small group gives us all opportunities to pray for each other, and that is something that we do. But we also pray for Christians in other parts of the world. I've been challenged to pray for areas that have the least amount of evangelical Christians in them. Uh, sourcing information from a book called The Future of the Global Church by Patrick Johnson. These are places like Somalia, Yemen, Morocco, and at the top of the list, Tunisia. Another verse from chapter 1 is verse 6. It says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God works in our hearts so that we are transformed more and more into the image of Jesus, but it's still a work in progress. The ukulele team will now come out and help us reflect on this verse a bit more. Thank you. Okay, if you want to take your seats, we're going to uh, resume. And if Mike's here, we'll be off and running. Is he here? Here he is. Thanks, Mike. Well, we're already up. We're already up to chapter two. Let's um, let's start from chapter two and verse one of Philippians. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love. If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory and praise of God. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing 
so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order they may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know that Timothy has proven himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also upon me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him, for, for he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his very life to make up for the help that you could not give me. Good morning, everyone. My name is Paula Robson. My husband is Matt, and we have two children. Uh, James is three, and Emily is ten months. Uh, This year, I have really enjoyed studying through Philippians with the Friday morning study group that meets at Beck John's house. I have been considering what it would mean for me to have an attitude or a mindset the same as that of Christ, who... Um, chapter 2 verse 6 to 9 tells us being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross So I've been thinking about this passage recently and how Paul tells us here that the Son of God um, himself abdicated his rights for for our sake, for my sake. His right to honour, his right to be served, his very right to life. Unlike me, Jesus, as a sinless human, had a right to life before God. He had no sin to merit death. So this got me thinking about my rights and what my rights actually are in relation to God and others. Um, Human rights are a very good thing and God calls us to respect and honour each other as we are made in his image. Furthermore, he calls us to defend and uphold the rights of others, particularly the vulnerable. Um, Now, the unjust oppression or exploitation of others calls up righteous anger in me and it probably does in you. However... If I'm honest, um, which I have been with myself, I've taken note the past few weeks of what makes me most angry, or most frequently in this season of life with young children. And 
it usually can be boiled down to others trespassing on my rights. So, namely, my right to support and encouragement from person X, my right to have my plans for the day honoured by my children and my husband, regardless of whether I've even told them what they are, (laughs) my right to adequate rest and sleep, my right to comfort and convenience, my right to personal space and personal hygiene, my right to have my preferences, opinions and concerns prioritised in whatever situation. Ouch. So, (laughs) um, I have been praying that when I am tempted to frustration or even anger over um, something so trivial, like being late to all my appointments because no one's cooperating, um, or not being able to go to the bathroom by myself, not being able to have a shower every day, um, that my frustration and anger would just fade away and be replaced with joyful service as I fix my eyes on Christ who gave over his very right to life for me. You stand and sing with us again. There's so much to be thankful to God for, but nothing comes close to Jesus Christ and his cross. Uh, Well, church, one of the privileges that I've personally had uh, going through our series through the book of Philippians is is sitting with the leadership team, the pastors and elders, and and hearing firsthand how the book of Philippians has uh, has challenged them as we've gone through it. I want to assure you that that has taken place. I would encourage you that if you want to know uh, that you go and talk to one of them and just ask them the question: What has Philippians taught you? How have you been blessed as we've gone through Philippians? I think for me, chapter 3 in Philippians has been uh, a great challenge. Um, having confidence in my own flesh is, a, is at times something that I fall into the trap of. And I think by God's grace, he's given me a wife that helps me to get things in perspective again and pull me up when I'm starting to get ahead of myself. Let's read together Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and again. It is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that is from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow 
to obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we set you. For as often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, there are many who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the same power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly body so that they will be like his glorious body. Good morning, everyone. Um, My name is Melody. I'm a wife to Paul and mother of um, Caleb, who's four, and Zachary, who's two, and also Lily, who was stillborn four months ago this week. And we um, have the privilege of leading a small group with um, some of the young adults. And it has been such a joy and blessing to journey Philippians with this group of people. And chapter 3, as has already been spoken about a few times this morning, has been such a challenge to me um, in my own faith life and in the journey that our family has found ourselves on this year. I can never go past verse 3 where it says, we put no confidence in the flesh. When we were talking about this in our life group, we kind of stepped back and we looked at all the things that Paul had listed almost as his resume of all the ways that, all the spiritual merits that he had, all the achievements that he had that in a earthly sense made him worthy of God. And we sat back and considered the things that we hold on to and the things that I hold on to and I realise that I hold on to as the things that were my additions to my righteousness, the things that I thought made me favourable towards God, the things that if I failed in, I assumed that God um, would be displeased with me and that that would impact um, how he would treat me or his relationship with me. And we, we sat together and, and listed out this stuff and, and, and we couldn't not be challenged by verse 7. Whatever I had as gain, whatever spiritual merits or achievements or things that I was resting on, whatever I had, I count as loss. Why? For the sake of Christ, in fact, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish. And I love those words. I didn't realise that subconsciously I was resting on so many things. And yet they were rubbish. And why? In order that I may gain Christ and to be found in him. Not having a righteousness that comes from the law, even from myself. But one that comes through faith in Christ. It was so um, such a light bulb moment for me, who's been in the church and grown up in the church for such a long time, but didn't realise that unknowingly I thought there was additions to Christ. There was things that I that were good things, but that, that I was adding to Christ. It was so challenging. And the thought of knowing Christ and knowing him. And I think this year, facing the loss of our daughter and facing eternity in a way that I haven't before, God has shown me what is actually important. And these verses speak it so clearly to me. It's just Christ. It's just knowing him. Him being the most important thing. And I really appreciate verse 12 that says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. And as a self-confessed perfectionist, I appreciate verses like that because I'm like, that's right, this is a journey. But the language of pressing on, of straining, of forgetting what is behind encourages me because it reminds me that this is a process. It's not something that I make a decision about now and get all my ducks in a row and that'll be right for the rest of my life that this is something that is ongoing, day to day, pressing on, straining, fighting for it. With minds not set on earthly things, but knowing that my citizenship is in heaven. And that changes everything. I'm so grateful to God for that and for these reminders. You are the love song we'll sing forever, bowing before you, blessing your name. Will you stand with us as we sing again? Well, there's something special to um, come to church and to hear testimonies, reflections of how God is at work in the hearts, in the minds, in building up the faith of his people. Our prayer as a leadership that as we go about the rest of our week, we'll be able to reflect on these things, be encouraged in our own walk, and be blessed as we continue to consider the grace that God has poured into our own hearts and minds that we might be able to share with others around us. Let's, uh, let's finish our reading this morning by reading chapter 4 of Philippians. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown... That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Judea and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, to help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and 
petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the peace of God will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you had been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance, whether being well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what might be credited to your account. I've received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God shall meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. May God bless his mighty word. Um, Paul uses the term beloved. Um, I love the way that uh, often a speaker will get up here and say, good morning church, because we are the church. And we have some exceedingly great and precious promises which have been given to us. And that's taken from Second uh, Peter chapter 1, where it also says that we are given all things that pertains to life and godliness through the righteousness of him who has called us by glory uh, by, by glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Through the, the book of Philippians and throughout all of scriptures, there are many exceedingly great and precious promises and I've been given to follow up on chapter 4 and to, to share a little testimony as to something in chapter 4 of how it's spoken to me. Well, I think I had that robbed by Trevor this morning because Trevor is actually experiencing this exceedingly great and precious promise uh, which is given to us in that when we take before God our prayers and our petitions that he, uh, with thanksgiving that he will give... Sorry, am I drifting off? Whereas he will, um, that he will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that's coming after the command to be anxious for nothing.
but in all things by prayer and supplication. Uh, make our petitions and our requests be made known unto God. And I come back to that exceedingly great and precious promises, promise that is given to us uh, to, that we might be partakers of that divine nature, the very nature of God himself. And there's been testimony here this morning whereby um, people have given testimony of that love of God and that, um, that transforming love of God that comes through the trials of life that we each one um, go through. And I, I love this passage. I wanted to bring in these extra passages because they've been on my mind. I had a moment for anxiety there this morning because even though it's just a few minutes to speak, uh, you like to have a few notes down. I noticed that everybody who's come up here had their notes down. Well, my grandson had a, uh, a friend over last night, and they set up their, their camp and their beds in my little study where um, my computer is and my printer is, etc. And, and you might have known it. I chuckled when it happened because you have those few notes written down and you press the print button, and what happens? It doesn't print. Um, but these verses were on my mind, and um, and it, it is uh, and that passage in Philippians um, that we've all experienced as children of God, um, and I think there's a reason there for these anxieties or these trials that come our way. And if you ever think, is it possible to give thanks when you are gripped by anxiety? It's very difficult. But if you are rejoicing, as we're commanded to in this same passage, well then it's not hard to give thanks. But there's something right from the very creation, from the very creation itself that um, I think that these things build, uh, uh, are given to us for our own edification. And that is that we must have that relationship with God that he wants us for. If we never had anxiety, if we never had these trials of life, like our brother's suffering very real, in a very real way right now, um, then would it cause us to turn to God and to take before him um, our requests and to find that ability to be thankful for the very anxiety that's in our heart? And another verse that was in mind that I wanted to speak about was Isaiah 9.6 where we have the prophecy of the coming Christ. And Christ is called the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. But he's also called something else. He's called Counselor. And I think it's the testimony that we've heard this morning and the testimony that I can give you now, the testimony of, of all here that know Christ as their Lord and Saviour, is that he is the mighty Counselor, the Prince of Peace. And that peace of God that surpasses our human understanding is a very testimony of how the miracle of God in our lives and the relationship that we are to have with him is proved by this very point. So he is the counsellor, the mighty prince of peace. And um, if we think of how privileged we are in that we have found Jesus Christ, this should also drive us to be heavenly minded, not to be, um, as we, we listen in the earlier verses, um, whereby our citizenship is in heaven and that we are to live worthy of the gospel that, um, that we are privileged to come to know through the grace of God um, and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think about that anxiety. If we just 
Think about that for a moment. Anxiety can be all gripping. It can, I was in the Philippines with a friend once that had an anxiety attack in the airport that forbid us from actually enter, uh, that stopped us from catching our flight back from the Philippines because the physical manifestation of that anxiety um, emulated a heart attack and they wouldn't allow us on the aircraft. Um, the world is gripped with anxiety at the moment and I think that's a sign of the times that we're in. Um, I've had the privilege with others here to be at the Mind, Body, Spirit Festival and this is the things that people talk to you about is the anxiety that is in their life. Um, I have the privilege of speaking to people in the city, some homeless also, and there's anxiety in a way that's even driven them to being on the streets because they cannot face life. And here we are, brothers and sisters in Christ, called the beloved of God, and we can turn to Jesus Christ, God himself, and he is our counsellor. Wow, what a privilege, what a blessing. And I think also the challenge in that is is that we must take that message to others also. When people come to us and they're gripped by anxiety to where they're paralysed in life, and we can say, well, our life is in Jesus Christ. This is where we find the power to overcome anxiety. And this power to overcome anxiety, like it is that um, Melody just um, said to us, it's in God's hands that we will be delivered um, to the finishing of our faith before we go to be with the Lord forever. Um, this ability to overcome anxiety, it says in this, in this verse, which is that precious promise, that it is God and it is the power of God that overcomes that anxiety, that he will guard our heart, which is the seat of where our desires are and our mind where the anxiety builds up, even the very place where the wicked one himself that if he can bring in negative thoughts and he can bring in... This is the place where anxiety is. It's not a physical thing, even though it has physical manifestations. It is, um, it is all in the mind. And then in this very same precious passage of Scripture, uh, we're given uh, the ability to see into what is this very mind of Christ. And um, it is in the... In the be anxious for nothing, but in everything give thanks. And it goes on to, let me get, I'll just bring this up, because although I had all this in mind, it of course disappeared right now, um, that when he gives us this example of what to meditate upon, that is not only it, that the Paul is giving us here, or God is giving us here, um, the ability to look into the mind of Christ, and he's giving us a very... Um, what's the word, a very uh, practical way for us to combat this anxiety. Um, he doesn't just leave us loosely saying, be anxious for nothing. He says, uh, whatever things are true, whatever things are, are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue or anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these. I think he's given us insight into what is the mind of Christ. This is how Christ himself would have thought, and we're given this instruction to overcome anxiety, and we can take that and share it with one another um, in ministering to one another, and we can take it to a lost and lonely world. So I thank God for the book of Philippians, for his instruction in there, and for the exceedingly great and precious promises that is given to us through Christ Jesus. Amen.
Don't you love it? 10,000 years and then forevermore. They're great words. Uh, We are thankful to God uh, this morning. We are thankful that we've heard from him because we heard the whole of Philippians. And when we listen to God's word, he speaks and we hear him. So we've heard a lot from God this morning. But we've also been thankful for this particular book and what people have learned and gleaned from that. And even this morning, some of you who maybe have not been able to go to those, I'm sure have gleaned more from God's word this morning. It's important that we stay in his word. It's important that we remember to thank him and that we stop occasionally for this type of service to say thank you you to God for what he's doing, to sing like we've sung uh, this morning uh, too. What a wonderful God he is. Amen? Amen. A great God he is. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Spend some time uh, with each other, uh, maybe even telling each other what we are thankful to God for this morning, but we are certainly thankful that he has been amongst us this morning.